Hey, Ed. Hey, Tommy. Ready for the Bible study? Yeah. Did you do the homework for the Bible study? Yes. So, Tommy, look at me. Uh-huh. You answered all the questions for Romans 8, 38, and 39. Yes. Tommy. Mostly. Mostly. Well, the answer to the last question is not in the Bible. The answer to the last question, what can separate you from the love of God? It's in there. It's not in there. Yes, it is. Not in it's there. in there. It's no, in there. It's not. I would not give you questions. It's, if not, it's not, not in there. there. No, it's yes, not. Yes, no, it's not. Is. Show me, Bible boy. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are your ears open? Because yeah. here it is. Are oh, you yeah. ready? Can Probably. you handle this? Can you handle yes. this? I think I deserve it. I don't think you can handle it. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Get ready. Here it is. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it doesn't say. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It says nothing. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you proved me right. No, you proved me right. Wait, what? Yeah, the something that you're looking for is nothing. Huh? Something is nothing. No, something is something. Something is nothing. No, nothing is nothing. Nothing is something. No, nothing is nothing and something is something, but something can't be nothing and nothing can't be something. But in here it is and it can. <laughs> <laughs> so you just want me to go in there and say nothing. Yes. Just be like nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and the specific nothing mm -hmm. is neither and nor. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Neither nor. Nothing. <laughs> yes. Nothing, neither nor. Nothing, nor, neither, nothing, neither, nothing, nor. <laughs> so I'll just go in there and not say anything. No, I want you to say something. <sighs> then what is that something? Nothing. Oh, I want to hit you. What? Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. 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 Nothing? Nothing. Yeah, but you don't know my nothing. Doesn't matter what your nothing is. No. No, your nothing is nothing. My nothing is something. I've got a past. Just last night. Doesn't matter what you did last night or what you did five years ago. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen. We can all go home. The answer is nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. How awesome is that? We'll be in Romans 8 here in just a moment. So if you want to start finding your way there, thumbing through your Bible or uh, click on it, uh, we're going to be in Romans 8. Some of you may have noticed I'm not Pastor Jay. I'm Pastor Daniel. Again, I'm preaching two weeks in a row. What's going on? Some of you are sitting there thinking, associate pastors aren't allowed to preach. I mean, they're not supposed to preach twice in a row. It's in the bylaws, right? Or at least it should be. What's going on? I feel gypped. Me too. You and me both. Pastor Jay is sick, so keep him and Sydney in your prayers. 
Um, he informed me last night, first time in 13 years, he's missed a, a service due to illness. So uh, just be praying for him. Uh, you know, praise God we can afford to give him that rest. Uh, amen. amen. Keep him in your prayers. He is feeling a bit better, but you know, with the way things are and just contagiousness, which may be a word I just made up in first service, and I'm going to say it again, uh, just wanted to keep everyone safe. So, you know, just pray for our congregation and our city as a whole. Um, there's just a lot of illness going around. Seems like it's hitting everybody uh, this season. But I want to start off this morning with a very serious question. What did you have for breakfast? <laughs> Was it yogurt? Oatmeal. We also had oatmeal. Pallets of love, pallets of love struck twice this week, like lightning. How many of you had oatmeal? Some people had oatmeal. The biggie was yesterday, though. Two semi-truck loads full of yogurt. A hundred and eight. That's not the number of your kid. Don't go change a diaper. A hundred and eight pallets of yogurt were given away yesterday. Shout out to all the volunteers. Seriously, you guys are the best. <clears throat> half, ha half of the church was here giving, <laughs> giving away yogurt. We had kids, we had youth. It was awesome. In Matthew 25, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. That's what church was yesterday. It's pretty awesome. It's an awesome thing to see. It's an awesome thing to see people loving on people. I just want to throw out there that you don't need to be like physically ripped to be part of Pallets of Love. Okay, you don't have to be able to pick up a 50-pound bag of oatmeal, although that would be a fun test. <laughs> you don't have to be able to lift anything. I know some people uh, don't think they can participate because they can't lift anything. You know, that's just not true. We need people to wave at people as they're driving in. We need people to help direct traffic. We need people help <laughs> to help drivers get into our parking lot, and we need people to help direct traffic out of our parking lot. If you've ever been here uh, when we're giving away stuff, it can get a little congested. So um, we need people to hand out handouts. Hand out handouts. Or we need people to just talk and love on people. I chuckle whenever the line is being held up because someone is talking and loving on people through their car door, and they're holding up the line from moving. Michelle's waving her hand because that's her. <laughs> she does that. I saw her do it a couple times yesterday, and I love to see it. I really do. I love to see it. And I know the city doesn't like us when the line gets backed up to, say, Woodruff, but, you know, we, we do our best. Uh, but, you know, being Christ-like to our neighbors is important. It might be the most important thing we do as a church. I heard a statistic uh, that how many times, and if you were in the first service, because I know how you, some of you are. You're like, I know the answer. <laughs> I heard a statistic. How many times does someone have to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for our salvation, how many times do they have to hear that before they come to accept it as their own? Does anyone have a guess who wasn't here in the first service? <laughs> One? As many as it takes. As many as it takes. That's not a real answer. I'm looking for a number. 
Thank you, Pearl. <laughs> That's a good answer. I'm just, I'm messing with you. I love you, Pearl. Okay, who thinks it may be less than 10? Less than 20? Less than 30? You're all getting skeptical now that I'm going this high. 40? How about 80? Somebody said 77 in the first service. I'm going to skip to 80. It's 40, statistically. That's the average, right? So there could be someone who it takes 77 times. That, that could actually happen. Personally, I've sat down with people a dozen times, uh, you know, before, before uh, someone chooses to make a commitment and a personal relationship with Jesus. I've never had to go to 40. <laughs> um, but you know what? Maybe you are number 27 of 40, and they're just passing through. Maybe they're just driving through our parking lot to pick up some yogurt uh, or some oatmeal. And they are just, you're just preaching the gospel the 27th time of 40. Don't lose hope. Okay, Galatians 6.9 says that let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So perhaps number 27 of 40 just happened in our parking lot yesterday. Who knows? We do food giveaways uh, to give, uh, for, we do them for the glory of God. So to God be the glory. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just thank you again for today. I thank you for our church family, Lord. I thank you that we can have fun together. Uh, God, help us to go deep uh, into your word, that we can uh, ingrain in our hearts that we understand that nothing is going to separate us from your love, God. We just pray again for Pastor Jay. Help him to feel better soon, God. Bring him back to us healthier and stronger than ever. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you've had enough time to, uh, to find Romans 8. Uh, it's in the New Testament, which is about the, uh, you know, the second half, or I would say the last third of the Bible, if you're, if you're thumbing through it. Does anyone else, uh, if you're going old school with the paper, you know, if you're on your phone, this wouldn't happen. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with reading your Bible on your phone. I do it all the time. But, you know, if you're going old school with paper, you ever, like, Maybe you don't know where Romans is, and that's okay, but like, say you do know where Romans is, so you're like, I know where I'm going, and you're thumbing through, and you're looking to get to Romans, and then something catches your eye, and all of a sudden you're in Psalms or something, <laughs> and you start reading it, and you're like, wow, oh wait, <laughs> I was looking for Romans. Just me? I'm not ADD, I promise, but I do that a lot, and, uh, and God uses that. Uh, it's pretty awesome that we can open God's word anytime, anywhere, and he's going to speak to us through it. His word does not return void. So Romans 8, I'm going to back it up a little more and start in verse 31, if that's okay, but you don't have a choice. So um, verse 31, <laughs> Paul wrote the letter uh, to Romans, to Romans, to the Romans, yeah, that works. Paul wrote the letter of Romans to the Romans, and uh, he has seven questions for us in this passage. Seven questions that I believe um, are meant to be rhetorical to us as believers, okay? Not to unbelievers, but to believers. As we saw in the video, uh, Tommy has some issues, right? Tommy has a past, don't we all? <laughs> Can anyone else relate to Tommy? I know I can. I know 
that my sins and my past and my mistakes can make me not believe in what Paul is writing to us today in Romans. It doesn't make it any less true, but I know it can make it harder to believe it. But it is true. God loves us, and it's true that nothing can separate us from his love. Okay, so he crams questions one and two right into verse 31. Two questions in one verse. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, to answer that first question, you have to go back to the beginning of chapter eight and read the whole thing. See, I just gave you some homework. <laughs> I'll try and summarize it for you. That's hard to do in one sentence because Romans 8 is the best chapter in the Bible. I didn't say that, but it's one of the best, if not the best. It's one of my favorites. Go back and read it. You will not be disappointed. But to summarize it in one sentence, I would say, Jesus died for your sins so that you don't have to be separated from God anymore. So when Paul asks, what is our response to that? Hallelujah, right? <laughs> and I love in that video when Tommy <laughs> smacks his friend and says, show me Bible boy. I LOL'd the first time I watched the video with that. That means laugh out loud. Okay, just making sure you're awake. When people say they hate religion, when, they, when people mock God and they question if there could even be a deity in this messed up world we're living in, they ask for answers or for proof. They're saying, show me, Bible boy. Show me how God is really good. Show me how a God can be loving. How he's not some little G God who is just waiting for me to do something wrong so he can punish me. Show them Romans 8. It'll blow their mind. <laughs> also, mad props to Tommy for that slide at the beginning. That was pretty, pretty smooth. And Ed, like, doesn't even flinch when he comes in. Just wanted to point that out. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, Paul's second question to us uh, was that if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, the if at the beginning of this sentence is not calling into doubt God's love. It's simply saying he most certainly is for us. So, who can be against us? Paul isn't asking who our enemies are, um, as we, we do have enemies. The Bible tells us Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those he can devour. And it says to put on the full armor of God so that, because we have struggles against spiritual forces of evil. We do have enemies. But Paul is saying, who can prevail against us? The answer no one. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. 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 Paul continues in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice his perfect son for you. Think about that for a minute. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. God loves you so much 
that he was willing to sacrifice his perfect son for you. And God is going to give us gifts. God is going to graciously give us all things. Okay, cool. I want a Callings guitar, and I want a Ferrari, and I want a house with five extra bedrooms. Yeah, extra. No? Isn't that how it works? No. No? But I want that guitar. <clears throat> I checked Guitar Center's use section this morning, actually. There's none available. That's how rare those things are. First Peter, sorry, see? First Peter 1.3, get this. First Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, okay. So God is going to give us everything we need to love and serve him. Got it. I think that if I had every material thing I wanted, that I wouldn't want God anymore. And that's why, you know, God doesn't give me all of those things. And I think it's well within his power that he could, but I also know that they would be a distraction, uh, at least for me, from him. Maybe some of you are better than me, but that's my perspective. Question four. We're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. No Bon Jovi fans in this service either. All right. Don't cheer too loud. He's not that good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Verse 33. Who will bring any charge? I love this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. This might be my favorite verse of the whole passage. This is God loving us. This is God stepping into the gap for us. This is God building a bridge to get to us. He's willing to do anything so that we can, he can bring us back to him. The charge here in this verse is like making a legal accusation against someone to bring to account. Maybe this is why it's my favorite verse of this passage is because what brought me to my knees that I realized that I needed a savior was a play that was a courtroom setting and it was about God being the judge and Jesus stepping in. So maybe that's why it's my favorite. But Satan brings the charge against us. The Bible calls Satan the accuser and his accusations are valid. We are sinners. But, but his accusations will be thrown out. Hallelujah. Why will they be thrown out? Because it is God who justifies. God the judge himself is going to declare anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as righteous. How cool is that? See how nothing can separate you from the love of God. In verse 34, he continues on with more questions. Who then is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. 
The very first verse of chapter 8 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I love the emphasis Paul makes here that Christ was raised to life. Without the resurrection, Jesus was just a fanatic. He was a liar. Without the resurrection, Jesus is a lunatic. Without raising from the dead, everything he said is moot. But he did rise from the dead. Three days later, just like he said he would. And did you know that Jesus is interceding for us? He did this throughout his life too, actually. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he also said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't just God in the flesh to fulfill the purpose of salvation. Jesus is still God. And he has a lot more to do before the end end. If you want to get some spoilers, go check out the book of Revelation. Jesus is in there quite a bit, actually. And he's very involved (laughs) in what's going on at the end end. Last two questions. Paul wants to cram two more into one verse. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Remember that as believers, these questions are rhetorical. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, how many of us reading this uh, list of things, which Paul experienced all of these things himself, but um, how many of us have had in our lives uh, that perhaps have caused a rift between us and our love for Christ? What do I mean by that? I mean that while nothing can separate us from Christ loving us, we as believers can mess up. No way! Once you put your faith in Jesus, you're perfect, right? And everything's sugar and rainbows, and everything goes your way, and nothing ever bad happens. Wrong. The Bible doesn't say that. Jesus himself said that we would have trouble. He also promised right after saying that, that we would find peace in him as well. But anyone in here experience trouble? Hardship? Yeah. Persecution? Famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Maybe you haven't experienced all of those things, but I'd wager you've experienced at least one in your lifetime. What happened when you messed up? Did you feel your love for Christ waver? Did you feel like a failure before God that he might never take you back? I know I felt that way. And I love the way... Ed looks at Tommy when he finally gets it, right? Tommy's not understanding, just, and he just starts to storm off, just saying, nothing, 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 nothing. And when he turns around, and he's like, nothing? And Ed goes, nothing. The smile on his face brought tears to my eyes, because that's, I, I just imagine that's the way God looks at us. Just the most non-judgmental smile ever when we finally get it. 
So what do you do when your love wavers? Do you give up? Do you ever mess up something once and just never try it again? I remember when my kids were learning to walk. Spoiler alert, they failed. Because they were babies. (laughs) But did they give up? Did they say, this is too hard, I quit? No, they didn't say that because they were babies. But they got back up and they tried again. If you see them today, you know that they eventually succeeded because now they're running around all the time. But they got back up and they tried again. You can learn something from children. You can learn a lot from children, actually. <laughs> but Christ's love for us never wavers. It never changes its mind, and it never decides that we are no longer good enough. Paul covers all the bases in this passage that nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. I know I might be getting annoying making you say nothing. You probably want to hit me. That was a good part too, because sometimes you want to, you know, if you want to punch me, that's fine. I'll take, I'll take a punch. <laughs> but I want to drive it into you so you don't forget. And maybe that you actually start believing it, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So that's Paul's seven rhetorical questions. Do you want me to keep going? I just want to see if anyone would say no. (laughs) Because we haven't even gotten to the passage they read, so we have to keep going. Plus, I prepped it. So, moving on. In the next verse here in Romans, Paul is quoting uh, Psalms 44.22. When he says, For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Wow. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the pick-me-up, you downer. (laughs) What Paul is saying is that persecution and hardship, sword, are nothing new. We are all mortal, and we will all face death. Pending Christ's return, (laughs) again, go read Revelation. But Paul continues on, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who wants to conquer trouble and hardship? Sign me up. I know I do. Anyone else get the song More Than Conquer stuck in their head whenever they read this verse? It's by Ren Collective. Shameless plug. I'll put it on the, uh, the upbeat uh, playlist on our Spotify just for you guys today. Hey, did you know that we have a Spotify? Yeah, yeah, we do. If you didn't know, you might want to go back and listen to last week's sermon. Shameless plug. (laughs) But Paul doesn't simply say that we will be conquerors, as good and well as that would be. He says that we will be more than conquerors. One commentator stated that the addition of the more than to conquerors, to being conquerors, makes us super conquerors. I am not coining that term. A commentator actually wrote that. I figure, hey, if you want to make anything sound cool, just put super in front of it, right? Man, eh, Superman. No Superman fans. All right, natural versus supernatural. Whoa. Powers? Eh, superpowers. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pallets of love volunteers, already awesome. Super pallets of love volunteers. I'm going to start calling you guys that because it's a more accurate description, I say. But we cannot do this on our own. Paul is saying we are the conquerors. We are the conquerors. But the verse doesn't end there. There's no period saying we are more than conquerors, period. No. What does he say after that? He says, through him who loved us. Yes, we are the conquerors, but only through Christ. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I tried. It didn't work. (laughs) Pretty sure I had several adults tell me that as a teenager, that exact same sentence. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I didn't listen. But I'm telling you, don't try it. It doesn't work. Only through Christ Can we become super conquerors in all things? And when Bible Boy took his Bible and Ed pulled out the Bible verse, he said, I don't think you can handle this. I think you guys can handle this, okay? Here it is, the end of chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, the answer is nothing. Nothing. But nothing is nothing, and something is something, and if something can't be nothing, and nothing can't be something. Come on. I had one day prep to practice that. (laughs) Paul gives us two extremes every time in these verses. He says, death and life, which are the extremes of existence. He says, angels nor demons, the extremes in spiritual armies. The present, nor the future, which are the extremes of time. And then he adds powers right there, just to throw off the rhythm he's been creating, which, I'm sorry, but as a musician, just drives me nuts. Like, dude, you had a good thing going. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he just decides to throw an extra one in. It's like, all of a sudden, I become Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Everything just, like, (laughs) just the one thing. I'm not saying the Bible's wrong. It's just personal pet peeve. Keep your rhythm, Paul. Keep it moving. Height and depth, which are the extremes of space. And then he culminates it by saying, nor anything else I may have forgotten, basically. He says, nor anything else in all creation, which is pretty (laughs) all-encompassing, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen? I want to play the end of that clip one more time just so we can get it in our heads. Nothing? Nothing. Yeah, but you don't know my nothing. Doesn't matter what your nothing is. No. No, your nothing is nothing. My nothing is something. I've got a past. Just last night. Doesn't matter what you did last night or what you did five years ago. 
nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you're struggling with a nothing, if you can't get over your past, we want to pray for you. The prayer team wants to pray with you. If you need to go, that's fine. Grab a cup of coffee on your way out. You know, Lord bless you, but we want to love on people. That's what we do as a church. We want to love on people, both here at the altar and out in the foyer, wherever you might be headed. But don't leave this place without laying your nothing out to God. The altar is a great place for that. <laughs> to just come and lay it out before God. Let him take your nothing. He can handle it. And I know some of you don't believe me when I say that because I thought it too at one point. But he can handle your nothing. Lay it down at the altar. Leave it there for God. And he can make it into something great for you so that you have a story. You have a testimony to tell of his inseparable love for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great week.